Amen. Thank you for that. It's a beautiful song, song of being redeemed. We're going to talk about that this morning. So if you take your Bibles, please, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is where we're going to be. We're looking at the first two verses. And I'm going to give a disclaimer before I preach this message that uh, uh, there's probably going to be some harsh words used uh, against, a, I use the term loosely, another pastor in this town. I'm not going to say his name, but I'll tell you that he's leading his people straight to hell with the doctrine he's preaching. And I heard it firsthand yesterday, and I was livid to hear a man confuse so many people. A couple things were obvious about the man. Uh, he doesn't know his Bible. He doesn't know his Bible. And he doesn't have a genuine concern for the souls of people or he'd study his Bible. Uh, and so this wasn't going to be my message today. But as I sat there and listened to him and I, I watched these people's faces uh, with concerned looks as he changed the way of salvation throughout his message, um, the Lord just put it on my heart that I, I need to preach on salvation. What is biblical salvation? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Biblical salvation. 2 Corinthians 6.1 and 6.2 is what we'll read. I'll pray and we'll get going. Uh, we then as, as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted and in the day of salvation I have secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity again to be here. And Lord, we're going to hit a subject today that is the, the most important thing that any human could ever hear. It's the, the, the message of salvation through Christ. And Lord, I know that the devil doesn't want this message to be preached. And I know that he'd rather I uh, go off a, di a different direction and talk about maybe Christian living or talk about music standards or something along those lines that have no eternal consequence. But Lord, I, 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 I feel like you've commanded me to preach as a dying man to dying men, and the gospel of Jesus Christ has to be proclaimed. And you broke my heart yesterday, Lord. You allowed my heart to be broken as I heard a false teacher uh, share a false gospel. And, and Lord, you, you brought to mind again the reason that you've called us to Marlette is to tell people about Jesus Christ first and foremost. And so I pray as this message goes forth that your truth would be taught and that any error in my teaching, that you, you would show me the error before it even comes out of my mouth so I don't speak it, Lord. I want this to be biblical salvation as you designed it to be heard by people. Holy Spirit, we need you to meet with us. And I pray that uh, if there's anybody in this room who's not saved, that you would uh, show them that today is their day of salvation as our verse is read. And Lord, you know that my prayer has been also that as we live stream this video, that some of those people that were in that room yesterday and heard that false doctrine would hear your truth today. And I even pray that that preacher would come across this video and that he would see what your word has to say and not his denominational opinions. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us. Thank you that not only did he die, but he rose again, and he's offered us eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is salvation? What, what does it mean to get saved? Uh, when we tell someone that they need to trust in Christ to go to heaven, what does that really mean? Uh, a lot of the denominations teach that. A lot of churches teach that. Uh, they'll tell you that there's, they have a way of salvation. They know how you can get to heaven, but uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of false teachers in the world, and unfortunately, even in this town, there are a lot of false teachers. I sat through that funeral yesterday, and, and I don't know any other way to say it than to say that I sat and listened to a minister of Satan preach a false gospel, preach the devil's doctrine to a room full of people, and he's trying to comfort them with the devil's doctrine. That doesn't work. 
False doctrine doesn't comfort people in a, in a grieving time. They're looking for hope, and he offered them none. And I can tolerate a lot of differences between us and other churches. I can tolerate differences in music. I can tolerate differences in dress standards. I can tolerate differences even in the Bible version, though I am definitely King James only, and I won't sway from that. I'm not going to criticize someone that doesn't use it. What I cannot accept and where we can't be friends is if you have the wrong gospel. I can't, I can't be your friend if you're sending people to hell with what you're preaching. I just can't because you're standing against my Savior when you do that. This man wore a pretty robe, and he said some pretty eloquent words, and, and, and he even recited these denominational prayers in a way that you can tell he's done for years and years. And he even talked about Jesus, but when it came time to give the message of salvation, he didn't know what to say. And so he said a lot of different things. He stated, uh, first and foremost, as we're walking down the aisle with the casket, he thanked God that this man had been water baptized on uh, August 25th. And, and their definition of water baptism isn't even scriptural because they sprinkled. And I'm a, I promise you, you're not going to find that in the Bible. Nobody got sprinkled in the Bible. It says they went down into the water. It says that Jesus Christ came straightway out of the water when he was baptized. When Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch they, uh, went into the water, they went into deep water. It was always a, a picture of deep water baptism. There was no sprinkling in the Bible, so that even their baptism is wrong. But he started saying that, that he, he praised God that this guy was baptized on August 25th. And, and that by that baptism, he knew he was born into God's family because that baptism allowed him to be birthed in as God's child. He started using verses out of context to prove his point. And had he taken five minutes to let somebody show him the Bible, he would have seen that they're out of context. What he was referring to, the, the scripture he used to try to prove water baptism as a means of salvation is actually speaking of us being indwelt with the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual baptism. It's when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. And as we talked about in Sunday school, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, when Jesus Christ comes into us, he's not coming into us so that we'll be like him. I'm sorry, I'm sorry so that he'll be like us. He's coming into us so that we'll be like him. It's a spiritual baptism. And this guy's trying to prove water baptism with it. Uh, anytime that somebody starts to twist scripture, and you know they're twisting scripture, let your mind go back to Genesis 3. Think about who else in the scripture, who, who else twisted scripture? Satan. Satan. So if there's, a, if there's a minister that's twisting scripture to prove a point, is he a minister of God? No, he's a minister of Satan. Then this guy made a complete U-turn halfway through the message and started preaching, you have to get saved by faith alone. I thought, well, you can get along on that one because you're right. You have to, ha you have to be saved by faith. And then he said, but it's impossible for you to have faith. And so I'm thinking... Where's this guy going with it? And, and then he said that God will choose to give you faith. But Jesus says that he's come as a light and he put the light in all men. He put it in all men. And that, that pastor down the street doesn't get to dictate whether or not Jesus put that light in all men. God's word said he put it in all men. So all men have a measure of faith. Every single human being has a measure of faith that comes from God, not from a denomination that's sending people to hell. And then he started talking about you can't earn your way to heaven. There's no works you can perform in your life to go to heaven. And then immediately followed up with, but you have to be baptized. I thought, do you understand the words come out of your mouth? You're, you're saying that you can't work your way to heaven and then telling people to go to heaven, they have to perform a work. That's the devil's doctrine. It's confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God gave us the Bible to tell us how we can get to heaven. He gave it to us straight. We don't have to wonder. This guy closed his, his, his service there 
if you call it that, uh, by saying that when somebody gets baptized, they're God's child. Well, let me tell you something. That man that he was praising God for getting baptized on August 25th, uh, that man heard the gospel of Jesus Christ last Saturday, and guess what? He trusted him as his Savior. So when he stepped into eternity on Tuesday, we know that he went to heaven, but not because he got water sprinkled on his forehead. He went to heaven because he put his faith and he put his trust in Jesus Christ alone as his Savior. That man is a heretic, and his doctrine comes from the pits of hell. And, and believe me, like I said, we can have differences in a lot of areas. We cannot have differences on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you, if you divide that gospel, if you start chopping it up and you start preaching in a way that's going to send people to hell, I will stand against you and I, I will do it. Whether it's behind this pulpit or to that man's face, I will do it because he's, he's, he's bringing shame to the cause of Christ. Listen to what Galatians says in Galatians 1. I'm going to fly through a lot of scripture this morning, so if you want to write these references down, please do. Galatians 1, starting in verse 8, But though we... Or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if yet I pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's Galatians uh, 1, 8 through 12. Now listen, he says, for do, for do I now persuade men or God? This guy's down here trying to persuade men that he knows somebody's in heaven because they got baptized. You think God's persuaded by that? Nope, not a bit. God knows what it takes to be saved, and he knows it doesn't require baptism. And if it does require baptism, if, it, if that's what it requires then Jesus Christ is a liar and we should never trust in him because there's a man that died on the cross next to him that wasn't baptized. And, he, he, and Jesus says, you're going to be in paradise with me today. So do I put my trust in what Jesus says or do I put my trust in a denominational preacher? What Jesus says, what the word of God says. The room was full of people who were going to step into eternity and, and this man fed them lies from the pits of hell. I was angry. I, I, I promise you, <laughs> to my recollection, that's the first time I was angry at a funeral. Uh, I can't. I, I mean, there's been times where I was I was upset by the way somebody stepped into eternity. Uh, whether it's you know somebody had an accident or I had a family member that was murdered, and those things bothered me. But to be that angry, uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to keep my mouth shut. I was sad. I was sad because there was an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a bunch of people that are that eternity is fresh on their mind. But then all of a sudden, the, the, the anger, the sadness, it didn't go away. But that, that was actually overwhelmed by a burden. And I remember why God brought us here. I remember the reason I told my wife that I thought God wanted us to come here was to bring, I, you know, I did, I did not name this church, okay? But Bible truth needed to, need to come to Marlette. Bible truth needs to be in this town. And that's the burden that we had to come here. And as I'm listening to this false teacher down there, I knew... I was reminded of, of why we're here. And, and that's when my sermon for this morning started to change. Believe me, this, was not, this wasn't going to be the message. I, I, I was up uh, late into the evening preparing this because it's not what I had ready. But, but I, I couldn't hear what I heard yesterday and then stand behind this pulpit this morning and preach anything else other than salvation through Christ alone. As I stared at this man, I, I knew that this is what I had to do today. He's preaching the devil's doctrine. Somebody had to stand in Marlette this morning and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ the right way. Amen. I'm going to say this. If you're in this room right now and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven when you die, you're going to hear exactly what the Bible has to say on that today. 
I'm going to quote R.A. Torrey. I love this. I've, I've quoted this before. It's one of my favorite quotes. When Jesus died, he died as my representative, and I died in him. When he arose, he rose as my representative, and I arose in him. When he ascended up on high and took his place at the right hand of the Father in glory, he ascended as my representative, and I ascended in him. And today I am seated in Christ with God in the heavenlies. I look at the cross of Christ, and I know that atonement has been made for my sins. I look at the open, sep open sepulcher and, and the risen and ascended Lord, and I know the atonement has been accepted. There no longer remains a single sin on me, no matter how many or how great my sins may be. They're not on me. Why aren't they on me? I still sin. Why aren't your sins on you? You still sin. They're not on us if we're saved because he took them. He paid for them. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's Romans 10, 9 through 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say for whosoever gets sprinkled shall be saved. It says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So why do we need to be saved? Why do we need to be saved? Some people skip over this point. We need to be saved because we have a sin problem that we inherited from Adam. Genesis 3.17 says, and, Adam, uh, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall bring it forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust uh, shalt thou return. He's telling Adam, you're going to die. You're going to die. That wasn't part of the plan. If you go on and read that, uh, this is Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 17. If you look at verse uh, uh, 22 in Genesis 3, And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, to, this is, I believe, speaking to the Trinity here, to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden, of, uh, the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims with a, and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. God knew that, that this man, if he, now he sinned. He has a knowledge of good and evil. They couldn't, they couldn't take the chance that he would go eat of the tree of life because now it's a sinful man that's going to live forever. They couldn't do it. They had to kick him out. They told him he's going to physically die. This creates a problem for us. The problem for us, uh, we're going to see in a little while that, that the Bible tells us that Adam's sin passed up on all of us. Adam and Eve, they're the, they're the mother and father of us all. If you want to look at it that way, we all exist because they existed. That sin nature was passed through Adam. We have that sin nature. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore, as by one man uh, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So if the scripture says that you're a sinner and I'm a sinner, guess what? Then we're a sinner. I love running into people that say, I'm not a sinner. Really? Well... One of two things we can do here. Either I need to bow down and worship you, or I can show you from the Scripture that you're lying to me. 
And uh, usually, by the time that conversation's over, they're really angry, and I tell them that anger's a sin. And uh, <laughs> I get kindly or unkindly asked to leave the property. So, but this creates a problem for us. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Uh, some folks think that their physical death covers the wage. They say, well, if I die, then, then my wage is covered. But that's not what the Bible says. For uh, Hebrews 9.27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. What is this judgment? Revelation 20, starting in verse 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell were delivered up, uh, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the judgment. That's the judgment. When people say to me, hey, you shouldn't tell me how to live my life. Only God can judge. Yeah, and he's going to, and that should scare you. Because he has the keys of hell in his hand. If you're not saved, it should scare you that God's going to judge you. And if you are saved, it should scare you that God's going to judge people that you know. So where, where will you go when you die? This world is full of people who believe that they're going to go to heaven. But tragically, churches are full of people who think they're going to go to heaven. The truth is, heaven is one of two possible places that we're going to go when we die. We have two possibilities. There's two choices. There is no uh, uh, soul sleep. There's no purgatory. There's none of that. It's heaven or it's hell. And we're going to go to one of the two. Let's face a stark reality about this day and age. And I think we all know it. Hell is not a popular subject. And there are a lot of churches that won't mention it. But it's, it, it demands, it demands, it demands our attention. Hell has to be on our mind because people are going there every single day. Think about, just for a moment, think about the gravity of the eternal consequences of someone that goes to hell. Think of somebody that's in hell right now. The torment they're going through. What, 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 did, the, what, did, the, what did the rich man say? Let's, let's, let's look at Luke 16 here. I believe it's 16. This wasn't in my notes, so I apologize for winging it here. Luke chapter 16, we'll, we'll start in verse 19. Say amen when you get there so I know we're all on the same page. Luke 16, starting in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may, tip, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame." 
But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good tidings, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send, them, send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. What he's saying is, there's a guy in hell that's begging him to go tell his family. And notice he said, I'm tormented in this flame. Hell is a real place. The flames of hell are real. And guess what? He's in a physical body. He said he looked up. It says that he spoke. That he spoke. It said that his, his, he wanted water for his tongue. This is a physical torment. This is a physical uh, a burning of a physical body. He, he's being tormented in this flame. And he's begging for somebody to go tell his family. And what does Abraham say? They have the word of God. Let them believe the word of God. People don't want to talk about hell. People don't want to preach about hell. They say it's, it's, it's too controversial. What, what's the controversy about it? Are, are, do we want to be comfortable enough in this world that we watch people go to hell and don't care about it? This preacher down the street, he doesn't care if people go to hell. He wants his ministry to be funded. He needs a way to pay for his little robe and his necklace that he's wearing, but the doctrine he's preaching comes straight from the pits of the hell that we're talking about this morning. We have to remember that hell is real. And that the consequences of somebody going there is terrible. It never ends. There is no exit ramp in hell. There's no way out. I would rather hurt somebody's feelings giving them the truth than comfort them with a lie. And hell is the wage of sin. That's heavy when you think about it until you realize that the wage has already been paid. And praise the Lord for that. Romans 5, 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise the Lord. While we were yet sinners, we didn't have to be good to get saved. We didn't have to turn our life around before he saved us. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And why? Because it was God showing his love to us. While we were in our sin prior to salvation, God loved us. And he knew that we couldn't save ourselves, and so he sent Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this is one of my favorite verses, uh, but I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5.17 through 21. If you want to turn there, you can. If you don't, that's fine. But it says that, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Praise the Lord for that. But you know what that doesn't say? That doesn't say, hey, by the way, the reconciliation requires baptism. It doesn't say that at all. It says that the reason we're reconciled and the reason that we're made new is that Christ became sin for us who knew no sin that we could become his righteousness. 
That's what it says. Not a word about baptism. Jesus became our sin. Jesus paid the wage that we owed. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, Ephesians 5.1 says. Ephesians 5.2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Listen to that again. As Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. What does this mean? What does, that, what does all that mean? It means that there's now an available gift to every single human being that's ever walked the face of this earth. What is the gift? Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He had to be. If he had a man for a father, then his, he would have had the same sin nature that we have. And just, I'm going to give you a little parenthetical Bible lesson here. If you study the generations of the kings of Israel, you know, because it says that Jesus is going to come from the line of David, right? David was a king. If you follow that family line, do you realize that Jesus' stepfather, Joseph, would have been a king in Israel? So I love that because he's got our father's blood. But even the family he was born into had royal bloodlines. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on a cruel cross after suffering a severe beating. He was laid in a borrowed tomb, and praise God, he rose again the third day. And he, he didn't go through that so that we could baptize people to get them to heaven. He did that because he knew that's our way to heaven. He knew that he's the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And you know what? He didn't surround himself with a pond, so we got to get to the water to get to him. He just said, you believe in me. Put your trust in me. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, if I knew baptism could get me to heaven, could I not walk around and say, Hey, I got baptized. I'm going to heaven. Look what I did. Hey, God, I got baptized. Now you owe me something. I did this, so now you owe me. No, that's not how it works with God. That's not how it works. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a gift. It's a gift that has to be received. I can offer you a gift. I could, I could lay money right here on the counter and say this is yours, but if you don't take it, it never really becomes yours. There's a gift that has to be received. How do you receive the gift? Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on Jesus for salvation? It doesn't say you have to be baptized. It doesn't say for whosoever got baptized shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called on Jesus? If you have not called on Jesus, are you willing to do that today? Folks, you know my story. I sat in churches like these for 12 years before I put my trust in Christ. I believed in my works. I didn't really believe in them. I still thought I was going to hell, but I, I, I was a works-based salvation guy. That's what I thought. I thought you had to live a certain way. I thought you could mess up and lose your salvation. My faith was never in, tr in Christ for 12 years. As a matter of fact, it was 10 years ago on Friday, September 14, 2008, when I finally settled it and said, okay, the cross is enough. What Jesus did is enough. God doesn't owe me anything. I can't earn my way anywhere except hell if I don't, go, if I don't accept Christ. So I, I want to say, I want to put it this way. It, it, I, when I show my trust in a, in a, in a physician, in a doctor, how, how do I do that? I, I, I show my trust in that doctor by allowing him to, to, to treat me. 
uh, I have, we have attorneys, and so I trust that attorney by allowing him to represent me. I trust the bank when I take my money there, and I allow them to hold it for me, right? I believe in my Savior when I take him to be my Savior. When I put my helpless case into his hands, when I trust him to do what I can't do for myself, which has saved me from my sin. Have you done that? Have you done it? You believe that there's such a person as Jesus. I think we'd all agree that we believe that. Uh, And I believe we'd all say that he's the sinner's Savior. But that's only partial faith. To believe that he's a Savior that can forgive sin, we we need that. But we also need to understand that just believing that a doctor is a good doctor because he has a fancy office, but never actually allowing that doctor to treat you doesn't mean you put faith in that doctor. It just means you believe that he's there. So let me say it this way. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. And he represents himself as Savior. We are a lost one, and he has died to find us. We are dead. He presents himself as the resurrection and the life. The point is, do you take him by faith? Do you trust him? to be who he has revealed himself to be. If we put our faith and we put our trust in Jesus Christ and we say that we know that he's our way to heaven, then the Holy Spirit of God can no longer convict us of condemning sin. He can still convict us of of habitual sin, but as far as being condemned to hell, that conviction doesn't exist anymore. All of our sins were laid on the Lamb of God. He, he, He bore our sins. He bore the sins of all the world. There's no longer a case against you if you're saved. Think about that. That's powerful. As far as condemnation goes, there is no longer a case against you if you're saved. But there's a case against a lot of people that we're around every day. And you know what? I know that the church where this man preaches, there are people in their pews right now. And guess what? They're not hearing the wonderful words of life. They're not. They're being tied down with the weight of doctrine that comes from the devil. Their preacher's not going to tell them the truth. But we run into these people in our community. We live around some of them. We have a responsibility to get the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him alone as our way of salvation to a lost and dying world. We have that responsibility. That's our duty. God put us here for such a time as this. Let me ask you, if you put your trust in Christ, don't, don't play church. I did it for 12 years. By God's grace and mercy, I didn't die and go to hell from a church pew. But it can happen. If you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, don't leave this place without settling that. We heard today clearly what the Bible says about it. It's not by works. It's all by what Jesus Christ did, the finished work of Christ. He said three words that I love very much. He said, it is finished. And he didn't say that from a pool of water. Remember that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for uh, seeing a need that we could never meet for ourselves, and and you decided that you're going to meet that need for us. Thank you for giving us your word to teach about that. And now, Lord, if we're saved, we have a tremendous responsibility to make sure others hear that same message. Lord, if we're not saved, then today is our day of salvation. We need to settle that before we leave this place. Father, as we take a few moments here and have a a brief invitation, I pray that you would
convict our hearts, whether it be conviction towards salvation or conviction towards sharing the gospel. I pray that you'd meet with us in this moment. We need you, Lord. Our community needs you. In Jesus' name, amen.